The DNVR Rockies podcast is brought to you by our friends at Green Mountain Dental, the best damn family dentist in the Denver metro area. You gotta check them out. Just 15 minutes outside of downtown Denver. If you need any kind of dental work done, especially if you're not super thrilled about going to the dentist, I cannot recommend them highly enough. They'll treat you like family. They'll talk to you about sports. They will make your dentist experience as smooth and easy as it can possibly be. And they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam today. You can't do any better for taking care of your teeth than by heading over to our friends at Green Mountain Dental. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 for you first time users and DNVR25 for second time users to get 25% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And joining us, as has become our weekly custom, is the voice of the Colorado Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet and the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. It's Drew Goodman. Funny how that works. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it just fits right in there. It's very easy to search for on your podcast app, by the way. You, you don't have the excuse, oh, man, I forgot the name of it. Drew, I was going to go look it up. You guys keep talking about how great those episodes are. I just... Forgot what was the name of it again? Yeah, that was not ego driven. That was that was uh, driven because so I didn't forget the the damn name of the thing. You know, it's perfect. All right, perfect. Uh, it, would be like, so, it would be naturally like anyone when you're making a new password for an account, you'd make your password password just so you don't forget. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. it's the equivalent. Uh, so on today's show. We are talking opening days. We are really, we're, we're a mere hours. It, 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 it's, it almost feels too far away to say it's two days. That's not even right. I'm, I'm saying hours, two sleeps. We're two sleeps away from opening day. It's depending on who you are. We'll see how much guys, uh, some guys may not be getting that much sleep the night before. Uh, it's going to be a, a really exciting day. It's, a, it's an incredibly exciting day. Every year, no matter the circumstances, this year, Goody with, not just baseball coming back, but it really feels like the whole country coming back. Uh, But when you think about opening day, what kinds of first off just thoughts, feelings, memories come rushing to you? I love opening day, Um, you know, and and we always get on the air and we talk about how special opening day is and it is unique. I'm not saying other sports don't have opening days. The first, uh, you know, the first football game of the year, uh, you know, the first hockey game, game first basketball game but there is something unique about baseball it is the right of spring it is the ushering in of of hopefully warm weather and there's so many reasons it's special even to folks that are not not necessarily ardent baseball fans Um, i love it we didn't have it last year Uh, i'm thrilled not only that we're going to have it this year and have a season in its entirety but here in colorado we'll be second to texas as in the Texas Rangers, in terms of opening day attendance that is allowed. So there'll be, you know, 21 plus thousand people at Coors Field, uh, not only Thursday when the Rockies have their opener, uh, but, you know, for the three ensuing games. And I know, you know, 21,000, when we refer to that in the past, we'd be like, oh man, nobody showed up at Coors Field today. There's 21,000. That, that never happens. The Rockies have, have done exceptionally well uh, year after year in attendance. Uh, the last full season, they were sixth in attendance averaging, I think in the neighborhood of, of 36,000 or so, but I am thrilled. And as, as I know you guys are uh, to see fans back in the ballpark for there to be a buzz in the ballpark. And yeah, it won't be the typical, you know, 49, 50,000, but there'll be um, energy downtown. There'll be energy within Coors field. And boy, do we, do we miss that? So yeah, I'm really excited about it. Energy is definitely the word to describe it because when Charlie Blackman hit that walk-off last year against the Angels, it was it was it was unbelievable. It seemed improbable. And as soon as it was done, everyone was off the field. They practically turned the lights off seconds later. And 
the ballpark was just silent and it was as if it didn't happen. And we had just witnessed, you know, again, one of the, one of the best comebacks ever. And it, it, something that needs to be shared. It's not just the results on the field. It's just the overall experience. And yeah, we're going to have that back with 21,000 folks. Rockies are going to have some of the best attendance in the game. They're not going to just be top 10. If things stay the way they're at, they're essentially going to be number two. If you look at the limitations the other ballparks have on it. Yeah, I think it's it's naturally going to be a fluid situation throughout. Uh, you know, every city, including Denver, will ultimately alter um, from a positive standpoint. Fingers crossed, right? Um, how many people are allowed into the ballpark, and uh, you know that that's a wonderful thing. And uh, just to see people out, for, forget baseball for a moment, but to see people out and, and enjoying some degree of, of normalcy again, uh, that that will be. Uh, tremendous uh, to see. So I, yeah, I'm excited. I, I love this time of year, man. I love, I just got back, as you guys know, from, from Scottsdale late yesterday afternoon, uh, being down there uh, was fun. The it's, it's always my favorite time of year. And even with just 23, 2400 people at salt river fields, at least, you know, in between pitches, there was the murmur of people talking and, and chatting and and so there was atmosphere. It wasn't the typical nine thousand people, and you you could barely get a washcloth out on the berm in left or, or right field. But there were plenty of people out there enjoying the day. Kids rolling down the hill, and it was it was more as it should be. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's going to be a, a special day uh, when when people realize. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure even like it's almost like the NBA shutting down. It, it wasn't like the official start of the pandemic. I think for most people, it kind of was right. That, that moment where they, they were walking off the court in the NBA. And I think this opening day for baseball, and we know it won't really be, we know it's not defeated. There's a lot of work to go. A lot more people need to get vaccinated, all that stuff. But I do think this opening day for baseball is going to be something we look back on and go, yeah, that was when we started to get back to normal. Uh, absolutely. And um, I believe that. Um, I, I think that will be uh, another marker on people's calendar that that baseball, you know, welcome fans back. We're hearing now, you know, Ball Arena for the Avalanche and the Nuggets. They're going to have, you know, some fans in beginning, uh, I believe, this week or later this week, uh, which is tremendous. And, and this is the beginning. Um, and, and you hope it keeps ramping up and people keep getting vaccinated and we get back to, uh, you know, what, what we expect to do in the warm weather uh, times of year. And we might even have some warm weather. I, I, yeah, great this weekend. Don't want to jinx yeah. us. I don't want to jinx it, but I, I don't that, think yeah. we're going to have snow. I mean, that's talk about one of the more memorable opening days or at least home openers. It's going to be nice. You're right. It's going to be beautiful this weekend. It's going to be gorgeous. Yesterday, I got back in time to, uh, you know, I, I coach over at Arapahoe High School, and uh, they were on the field down at Ponderosa High School. It was a gorgeous afternoon, and everybody's outside. And then, of course, you wake up this morning, and it was like four inches of snow on the ground. So um, I did. I, I had somebody tell me about the the forecast uh, for the weekend, and it's it's like seven mid-70s, right? It's supposed to be yeah. gorgeous. be perfect. Yeah. Let, let's hope so. Since that was brought up, I'll actually work in slight reverse chronology here because I think one of the most memorable recent ones uh, for me of, of an opening day was in 2018, uh, the the opening day, as we were calling it at the time, with Harman Marquez on the mound. Uh, it ended up being a rough game for the Rockies. I thought there was an interesting symmetry to the entire season where the very last game of the year at Coors Field against the Brewers was also kind of a snowy, very cold affair with Marquez on the hill. Uh, but what do you remember about that game and the kind of oddness of, of, of playing baseball in that weather? Well, it's frigid. Um, and a, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, everyone in the organization and the Rockies organization, including you know, Dick Monfort and on down, we're out with shovels in hand, shoveling snow off the field at the crack of dawn to ensure that, you know, the Rockies had an opportunity to take the field for, for their opener. Um, so that is an image I'll, I'll never forget because there's no easy way, as great a grounds crew as Mark Rasm has, there's no easy way to, you know, to get snow off a field. You can't take plows out there because you'll tear up the grass. Uh, so I remember that. And then, 
you know, more self-centered. I've done, you know, a, a ton of broadcasts where in football, you always, people always ask, oh, well, you can just close the window and stay warm. I don't subscribe to that because then your, your voice is bouncing off the window. You don't feel like you're there. To me, it's inauthentic. So no matter how bad the weather is, 99.9% of the time, whether it be, you know, NFL, college football that you're broadcasting or baseball in cold weather, uh, on cold weather days, it's open. And man, we, we, we have blank and we, we do this periodically where the, you can't see it, but there's blankets on under underneath and we got the heaters going underneath and you're just trying to keep your lips warm so you can semi articulate what's going on on the field. So th those were the two things that I took away from that day, seeing everybody out there clearing the field and then, uh, I mean, it was cold, man. It was in the, what was it, 27 or 23 at, at first pitch? Yeah, it was brutal. It was the yeah. record, right? It yeah. was love. You, yeah. You've given fans a, a bit of an Easter egg to listen out for on, on a cold day. See if you can hear the crinkling of those, you know, hot hand packets uh, in Goody or, or Huey's hand or maybe just a slight sipping of some some hot tea that I imagine is, is one of those things that, it's going to keep you warm, not, you know, blocking yourself off from those elements. I mean, that, that's what makes the game sound so good on all your broadcasts. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think you can't, uh, you can't, you can't have the windows closed. You, you'd feel like you were, um, you know, not associated with what is going on fully. So um, that's, that's just how, how we roll. And, and, uh, and you have to, all announcers have to figure out a way to stay warm on those particular days. Or they could close the windows, but you know, uh, that was, uh, that was my first opening day with, with DNVR. So I didn't get a chance to listen to the broadcast all that much, but I imagine you, you guys were probably playing up a little bit. Eric Young, uh, Walt Weiss kind of being on Atlanta's, you know, coaching staff, you know, prepping his, their guys over there saying, yeah, this is kind of normal. It's going to snow. It's going to be cold. Atlanta ended up winning that game, you know, for what it's worth. But uh, it was kind of, again, you know, we like symmetry, and it was kind of neat for, for them to have a, the snow opening day with two longtime Rockies guys in the opposing dugout. Yeah, uh, and two of the all-time favorites of fans, and, and well, they should be because, you know, two tremendous people, two guys who are fun to be around, uh, you know, two lifers in baseball. But, you know, Eric Young has that uh, – you know, infectious smile and, and laugh. And, and EY will always be a legend in these parts for what he did on opening day at home in 93 and, and ensuing games. I mean, he had a really nice big league career and he had a very impactful big league career with the Rockies. But, you know, if, if you look for singular event, I think for a lot of fans, it'll always be EY's home run against Kent Bottenfeld against, uh, you know, the, the Expos in the first game ever at Mile High in front of 80,277 people or so. And, you know, Walt Weiss, uh, Walt's one of my favorite people. I mean, I, I love Walt. I mean, he's just a good person, good baseball person. And so, yeah, they, they probably prepared, you know, Freddie Freeman and, and that group uh, well for, for the elements. It's funny though. I really, I, I've told you guys before, the games run together unless they really stand out. I, I remember moments. I, I like to live in the moment. So it, it's special. I mean, Thursday when the Dodgers roll in will be special. Um, I may not a year from now when, when we're all chatting on, on the DNVR podcast, you go, Hey, remember last year? And I'll, you know, you guys will refresh my memory. Cause I won't remember, you know, I won't remember necessarily the particulars. I remember, you know, small things. I remember when Charlie went six for six in an opener and the most famous opener for me, maybe beyond the first one. And I, and I was just a fan at, at that ball game. It will always be the Oh five one with, with the home run by Barmas, um, you know, the walk off home run yeah. by Clint. So, there were other ones, you know, Bichette. So, uh, but Aaron Aaron Miles went four for four in that game with uh, the Clint Barmas walk off. I always, I don't know five why. Five for I six. In, is that right? I was five say, for six. Aaron yeah. Miles put yeah. on a show. Twelve yeah. scored, twelve runs, eighteen hits. I said, I don't remember any of that. I I remember <laughs> had the walk off against yeah. Trevor Hoffman. I don't remember what the final score was. was off of Hoffman. Okay, yeah, yeah. I I don't remember much else about it other than. You know, the Rockies won, and it was, you know, fantabulous, man. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
One I'll, I'll bet you've got some memories about because it was a little more recent and also because it was just super memorable. I just got to take you one year before the snow opening game with our man Marquez, and that was the Major League debut of Kyle Freeland against the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Colorado Rockies end up winning a pitching duel in the – I think it was two – I don't again, I, don't, I could have bring it up. I believe two to one, but uh, just – all the hype coming into that, knowing he was from the area, that was one I think we were all kind of looking at going, well, this could either be something really special or just just blow up horribly in their faces, and it turned into the first thing. And, and And you know what? To your point, Drew, if it did, no one could blame Kyle Freeland. He's coming home. He's pitching the home opener in front of 50,000 people. He's a puppy. Oh, by the way, he grew up 15 minutes away at, at Thomas Jefferson High School, and he's a he's a major league. He's making his major league debut. You add all those things up, and if he was gone after an inning and a third, everybody would have given him a pass. Yet he goes out and throws up zeros, and you learned a lot about who he was, the makeup of this kid. And it was somewhat of a foreshadowing uh, of what was to come. Certainly, you know, we know how great a year, you know, 2018 uh, was for him. So that that was uh, that was one that will stick in the memory banks for a while. And, and it wasn't, listen, any major league team is going to put out a lineup that could do a lot of damage. But the Dodgers are at a different level. And for what he did at Coors Field, in front of 50,000 people, opening day, major league debut, and he grew up a few minutes away. That's an all-timer. That's a Rockies all-timer. And against another left-hander and Hyunjin Ryu, too. Like it, To your point, yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was the makings of, of, of a great start to a career. So since we're going in reverse chron- chronological order, one year before that, 2016. Now, this wasn't at Coors Field, but it was opening day. Another major league debut. Mr. Trevor Story against the Diamondbacks, two home runs, cements himself, uh, put put him on pace to have the most, you know, first youngest or quickest to 100 home runs as a shortstop. The just a one of the quickest starts you could possibly have to a career. A guy who was essentially filling the shoes of of Troy Tulowitzki, and you had seen him a little bit in spring training by that point. It was all right. This kid's going to get a shot, and then he goes and pretty much has the best game one of the first game of the season pretty much anyone has ever had. Period. You know, Rocky yeah. or, or anywhere else. And it came against a future Hall of Famer in Zach Greinke. And when he hits a home run right there, uh, you know, you're marking it down. Here's this kid, Major League debut. He's replacing a, a Rockies legend in Troy Tulowitzki. And the kid goes, yard, man, this is awesome. Then he comes up and he goes, yard again. And then, of course, you know, it continued. What do you have? Six home runs in his first four ball games. I mean, it was a legendary start. Yeah. And it wasn't like I, I got I was watching um, MLB Network earlier today when I was wor- working out. And you guys will appreciate this. Um, it doesn't always the narrative doesn't always play out as we'd like. Oh, here's this marvelous start to what's going to be a historically grand career. Well, in the case of Trevor Story, we know, yes, this kid is special, and he's been special, and he's one of the elite players in the game. So his greatness was borne out by the beginning of his career, if you will. I take you back to 1994, if I'm quoting this right from memories from this morning. Doc Gooden's on the mound for the Mets against... The Chicago Cubs, they're at Wrigley. It's opening day. And Tuffy Rhodes, the immortal yes. Tuffy Rhodes, hit three jacks. Do you, so you remember this, Patrick? He I hit did, yeah. jacks against a guy that should have been a Hall of Famer. He won't because we know he, he, his career got derailed, personal demons. But Doc Gooden, for a period of time, was as good as there was, right? I mean, oh. Doc Gooden was mm-hmm. Jacob DeGrom. And he hits three jacks against against Gooden. Do you know how many career home runs Tuffy Rhodes ended up with? 13. 30? 
No. 13. He hit three against Doc Gooden opening day in 94 for the Cubs. All in the same spot, by the way. He went oppo. He left-handed bat. Left center, left center, left center. And he hit 13 in his career, and three came opening day against Doc Gooden in 94. That You know what, for me, that is why, one of the many reasons why we love this game. I was, I was putting down some notes. You got me going now, guys. Yeah, I was putting down some notes earlier, got, you know, getting ready for Thursday, right? And we put so much focus on that on that first game, but we know there's going to be 161 after that. <laughs> um, and, and one of the things I was thinking about is that every year, I mean, this sport's 150-plus years in the making, and the volume of games is like no other sport, Right. And yet every single year, the three of us and all those other great baseball fans around our region and, and around the country, we're going to witness things that we've never seen before, that have never happened. And you go, well, that can't be. There's no way. There's been too many games over too many years. There's nothing truly new that's going to happen. But we know that's not true. There's going to be things that happen this year that you go, wow. Wow. That had never occurred before in a big league or a big league game. Yeah. Well, Tuffy Rhodes the- ended up going on to have a really great career in Japan, and <laughs> I, I didn't know he was he was trying to top Sadahara Sadahara O's home run record, and then at a certain point they just walked him. And uh, and a brief research suggests that he might even be in the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame, so he couldn't make it in America. So you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be telling you this because I like your story. Tuffy. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, good for Tuffy, and yeah, I'm, he had a great career. But I like the better just thinking that he only hit those thirteen home runs just the 13. in America. I mean, but that's his freshman year. He was all Chicago, mm-hmm. and then he went on to be all Asia for a number of years. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Thirteen yeah. seasons. I didn't know he had played over there that long. I knew he had had a you know a solid career, but again, thirteen home runs in the U.S. Eh. And then, you know, nearly 500 in Japan. Like, that's what a career. And three against what should have been a future Hall of Famer there in Dwight Gooden. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, good stuff. Speaking of someone who's had a, a pretty nice career, uh, I want to talk about this Charlie Blackman game in re- relation to what Goody was just talking about. And I've got to first, though, toast my Breckenridge brew to Charlie Blackman, to his wonderful career thus far, to his fantastic beard, to the fact that I think he's far from done with doing what he's doing and to the fact that I think he would enjoy this mountain beach sour session from uh Breckenridge brew. I'm, I'm getting a little bit away from actually, I would imagine he's a little bit more of a simpler beer drinker than that, but still he wouldn't throw it out. No, <laughs> he's sophisticated. I think he'd, I think he'd gobble that up. You and, think he'd get it? Okay. Uh, absolutely. I think he'd gobble that up from Breckenridge and um, he's my guest. Coming up uh, on the show, Ooh. the podcast will be released on Thursday. Uh, Chuck is on. And um. he is, we were talking about him yesterday or, or Sunday, I guess, on the AT&T broadcast. The Rockies were taking on the Royals. And he is a guy that whatever, you know, drawers players have and coaches have for cliche number one, you know, drawer number two, uh, bounce out these cliches. He's got none of them. He is going to give authentic, well-thought-out answers um, that usually he injects some sort of humor or unintended humor emanates from his responses. He is He's one of a kind. Yeah, yeah. You got you to love Charlie. Um, well, I'll get into a couple more Charlie things here in just a second. Drew, but, by the way, real quick, I'm going to interrupt yeah. your spot one more time. Do you know what Fantastic. his name is, Drew? Cobb. Oh, Cobb. Yeah, yeah. That was a joke because I knew it was a favorite thing. Uh, I, I, we, we just love it so much. It's Charles too Cobb. perfect. Like, if, if you're going to have that name, you better hit like that. And right. <laughs> he has. There it is. And he has. So, so there you go. Uh, but, yeah, you know you can find – uh, the good beer and the good Celsius from our friends at Breckenridge Brew at any liquor store or King Supers. And you know you get a bigger one if you're a member of the DNVR family when you come down to the DNVR bar. But that's not all you get. You become an annual member right now. We'll also ship you a free shirt. 
and hook you up with a free holistic stick from Holistic Wellness. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K. Check them out, holisticwellness.com. A ton of positive reviews there. A little 10 milligram thing of CBD that you put into a drink, stir, helps you relax. Super cool stuff. You want a free one of those. You want a free shirt. You want a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar. You want access to all the written content. Then you're going to want to become a member of the family. Now, you're not going to want to miss the runs that the Nugs and Avs are about to go on. And obviously, Rocky season getting started up. Uh, And one of the things that I wrote about today, actually, uh, teased it yesterday, uh, Colorado Rockies eras through the years and, and kind of looking back and, you know, this Charlie Blackman game in 2014, we talked about it a minute ago where he, he did go six for six and then he hit like 400 for that month, became an all-star and then came back for a little bit. His 2015 wasn't quite as good. And I remember there being a big debate about whether or not he was really just this product of one hot month. And we're all overvaluing that opening day because we were all remembering it. Right. And then after that, Charlie, became a, a star level player but in a way that six for six game and that hot april for him almost became like this weird like problem of, of people being like ah that that made us more excited this guy's really not that good because he couldn't continue to be that and then he just did one day it's kind of an it's an interesting reminder that progress isn't linear and that we don't always know the future the way we think we no, and that's one of the hopefully fascinating things that uh, this season produces in that we have a, a host of, I don't want to call them super young because they're not. In terms of experience, they're relatively young. And we've discussed these guys, Hampson and Hilliard and Brendan Rogers when he gets healthy and, you know, even, uh, you know, Josh Fuentes and, and uh, you know, Dom Nunez. There's, there's a group of these guys, hopefully, fingers crossed, right, we're talking three or four years from now that remember when this guy emerged and and became a star level player, because for the Rockies to have success, you know, in the, in the near term, you know, a couple of these guys hopefully step forward and become elite big leaguers. We, you know, can guess, you know, if it's going to happen or who's most likely for it to happen. Um, But that to me is going to be, of great interest in 2021 when we look at that group of of players that are going to be afforded an opportunity to do what Charlie did, really step forward and emerge. Because nobody nobody ever looked at Charlie Blackman as a prospect and said he's going to be a superstar. Even Trevor Story, nobody said, "Yep, this kid is going to make everyone forget Troy Tulowitzki." Right. You just don't know. Right. No, you don't. And and with the Rockies, you know, farm system, they've got a lot of those guys that have been in the system for a while that are going to get some opportunities this year. Guys that might not even start on opening day, like, you know, Colton Welker, you know, does he step in like, like Trevor story did? We don't know. And that's, that's going to be one of the exciting things to find, find out this year. It's almost like diving into a pool. You know, you you go to in-ground pool, you go off the diving board and you get all the way down to the bottom of the pool and you're just barely able to touch the the floor of the pool before you can like push yourself up. That's where the Rockies are at right now, where they're pushing up, and it's going to be exciting to see. All right, let's let's make it back to the top of the surface and let's see who's going to be there because they've got a lot of options. They've got a lot of these young, inexperienced guys that could possibly do it for them. I got a comp for you guys, and I hope I'm right on this. I threw it out there on on Sunday during our broadcast. Can Colton Welker become what Garrett Atkins was offensively? Yeah, yeah. Similar That's body, it. you know, not body yeah. beautiful. And I, and I hope Garrett listens to to the podcast <laughs> at some point because I love giving GA some uh, uh, some good natured uh, stuff. Got it. Oh, Yeah, um, but listen, Garrett Atkins could flat hit, and mm-hmm. Colton Welker, you know, looks like he has the ability to flat hit. And let's hope that that comparison is an apt one down the road. Yeah. We're gonna, we're yeah. gonna, to Patrick's point, we're going to see Colton Welker this year at some juncture. Yeah. yeah, Atkins is such a good comp too because I don't know how many people remember how good he was just at, at putting the ball in play in general. Like he was a career 285 
you know, batting average, which is really solid. And, you know, you take away early parts of his career and, and, and the last season of his career, and he's even closer to batting 300. And Welker is one of those guys where he makes that really good contact uh, and hits for his fair share of power. Isn't, you know, is, isn't a guy who's going to lead the league like, like Garrett Atkins wasn't. Um, but Welker is going to be in there. And is I love Garrett Atkins when he was with the Rockies. I thought he was just such a, a valuable part of that team. And, and really it wasn't until Arenado came along that they were able to fill his shoes. Yeah, probably underrated. Probably underrated um, from a historical perspective with the Rockies. Garrett Atkins could hit. Um, to your point, Drew, yeah, he wasn't going to hit 40 home runs a year, but he was going to hit 20-something. He was going to throw out a bunch of doubles. He was going to be a, a big league at bat. And if there were guys on base and Garrett Atkins was coming up, that was a really, really good thing. And, yeah. you know, we'll see we'll see down the road what Colton Welker becomes. But Colton Welker has hit at every level. And, he, and he, again, for what it's worth, in March he had a really strong uh, time down in Scottsdale over the last uh, several weeks. You guys are setting me up for these segues almost too perfectly because now we go back to the time of Garrett Atkins. And if anybody else has memories, again, we're uh, the, I'm going to the ones that really stick out to me. If like 2011 was a really memorable one, hit us up in the comments by all means. But I'm, I'm jumping a few years now and actually going back to a game I remember not being a good game at all for the Colorado Rockies. And that was opening day, the home opener in 2008 against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, kind of a sloppy game. It wasn't a close score, but I was there and I personally watched them hang the National League pennant out there in the outfield. And it was worth the price of admission. It's one of those memories in my mind that just I can close my eyes and visualize it and, and remember the feeling of, of everybody that day. And just that season didn't go how people wanted to, but just being there the day after the, the only opening day after the Colorado Rockies had participated in a world series. And it was just, it was special seeing them raise the pennant as a moment. Yeah. Drew, I remember that. And it, it reminded me of what I felt in the autumn and in, in October when the Rockies beat the Diamondbacks in four straight and Helton euphorically goes like this on the slow roller to the to the left side and it was it was a holy bleep moment in that you pause and you said wait a second wait a second the Colorado Rockies are going to the world friggin series <laughs> and fast forward 6 months later when they hung that you know the pennant it was, again, that moment, yeah, I, I know it didn't go well against the Red Sox, but the Rockies are the champions, the defending champions of the National League. They're not this nice little team who, who drew a lot of fans out in the mountain time zone and they play wacky baseball because they're at altitude. They're legit. And I remember, you know, not, not that I have anything to do with wins and losses, but you, I think we all kind of puffed our chest out a little bit more and there was this civic pride in the hometown baseball team. And I remember it well from October again when it was, um, I can't believe this, the Rockies are, you know, you're pinching yourself. Yeah, the Rockies are going to the World Series to take on, you know, the historically um, significant Boston Red Sox. And then again, on opening day, uh, you know, everybody's having an opening day, but there were only two teams that were raising a banner. Us and the Red Sox. And that was, mm -hmm. I agree with you, Drew. That was a special time. And yeah, Creaseman, like like that, that's a huge thing to remember and to bring up too, particularly when you think about this idea that it, 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 was, it was a dream come true in 2007. And then you go into hibernation for the winter and you go, was that, was that real? Did that really happen? <laughs> I know it did, but did it really happen? And then, as you said, you, you see them put the pennant up. You see that banner go up and you go, yeah, it was. Yeah, we're we are the team to beat right now, and they were the team to beat that year. That's probably why so many teams went out and and played them so difficultly, uh, difficultly right right out the box with Arizona. And it wasn't until two thousand nine that they kind of regained their form. Yeah, I mean, two thousand and eight turned out to be a forgettable season, and it it led to two thousand and nine. I believe, and and I defer to 
some guys who played on that team and were around in 07 and, you know, and Spilly, uh, you know, has always said that the, the, the best team was the 09 team and, you know, 192 games. I, it, it still may be the best team the Rockies, you know, have ever had. And, uh, you know, that, and then of course it led to 2010, which, you know, started out okay, but then became, you know, really disappointing. You just don't know. You just don't know. It's why they play the games. Yeah, it's, it's like I said in the piece that I published today, you know, going back and looking at these eras was really clarifying for me because other than a time I ended up calling the missing years kind of from 1999 to, to 2004, you know, there really wasn't much to get excited about in that time. But other than that, all these little chunks of time had these bits of success that oftentimes didn't seem at all like they were on the horizon at the time. When you look at 2005, the Rockies lost, and we, we talked about opening day, Clint Barmas having the walk-off and all that, but the Rockies lost, I think, 96 games in 2005. But you know who debuted that year? Matt Holliday, Brad Hopp, Chris Iannetta, Garrett Atkins, Ryan Spillboys, Corey Sullivan. I think Francis and Cook were right before that, but still they were starting to build this thing that would become that 07 team. And so, and, and there was no way for us to know that that's who those guys were going to be. Again, the beauty of the sport, we don't know, you know, sitting here in a couple of years going, hey, you know, Ryan Valade, he got his debut in 2021 or, or Colton Welker, or, you know, or whoever it is. And, and they've become the foundation for what has become, you know, a really good team. And that's that's where you keep your fingers crossed that, that the same types of things uh, occur and hopefully they, they occur pretty quickly. We shall we shall see. But, yeah, 2005, I remember you know, we talked about it, the Barmas uh, walk-off home run against the Padres, but it was not, a, a, you know, a great year. And, and in that period of time, I guess the the biggest reason to go down to Coors Field was to watch 17 play. I mean, there were other there were other notable individual performances in that time frame. Uh, you know, Larry Walker was, was still around, but, uh, you know, it was Todd Helton. I remember going to New York and – my dad he was before he had moved out here. Uh, you know, I got him tickets to to all the games when the Rockies were taken on the Mets, and he knew of you know he's a baseball fan, so he knew of Todd Helton. But I said, Dad, I don't think you realize this is a great player. Forget the inflated stats that that you know people were ridiculing you know Rockies players for having offensively. So this is one of the game's best hitters. And he put on a show at Chase Stadium, um, and I remember talking to my dad at the conclusion of the series. And he said, "Yeah, you're right. I mean, this guy's this guy's a great player, or or as you know, they said in New York, and you know, he, he's a great ball player. Great Forget player. about it. B-A- Forget about it. B A W L ball player. Ball player. Yeah, he's a good ball player. Well, well, right around that same time, you know, 2005, Barmas walk off. 2006. Now, this was in Arizona. Brad Hoff hit a walk-off homer in the 11th inning. Another one of those. Again, you can't start the season off in, in any better of a way. Um, hitting, hitting that four-bagger to walk it off. Actually, it wasn't in Arizona because it wouldn't have been a walk-off. Uh, that one was also at, at, at Coors Field. So you had, Arizona. Yeah, you had, you had two back-to-backs there. And I mean, that would be a fantastic way uh, to start things off on Thursday. I don't, I don't think you could bet on that one, but <laughs> There's another unsung Rocky. I'm going to get him on the podcast coming up. Also, one of the all-time great guys that has uh, called uh, a Rockies clubhouse home, Brad Hop. Yeah, good man, really good man, and had a, and had a, and had a really good Rockies career. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he and Atkins are were kind of the lifeblood of that team that didn't get the, the underrated guys that were really there. While you know. Maybe Holiday or Tulowitzki were getting a little more credit. So yeah. Those guys were so good. A lot of moving parts with Brad at the plate. He had the legs, <laughs> he had the hand. A lot of things. So so when things went awry, he could, you know, he could get in a slump. But when he was locked in, look out. I mean, he could do significant damage over, you know, a seven, ten day period of time. And he also had one of the game's best throwing arms. I was going to say that throwing arm was special every once in a while. I'll, I'll get this question. You know, I'm, I'm sure you get this semi-regularly. 
you know, uh, between Walker, uh, Cargo, and, um, you know, Para or somebody like that who had the best throwing arm in Rockies history. And I'll go, don't leave out the hopper. Now, the answer is still Larry Walker, but don't leave out Brad Hop. Like the guy might have had uh, the second best all around arm in right field in, in Rockies history. Oh, it's still probably Cargo, but <laughs> again, Car- don't Car- leave him out. Cargo Car- could sling. Yeah. Cargo had a freaky arm. I mean, yeah. Cargo had a, a tremendous arm. But all those guys, you're right, they could all throw. Greatest throw I've ever seen at Coors Field was Yasiel Puig. Mm-hmm. Threw a ball from the wall in right center field on a fly to third base. Third base. To get somebody who tagged up on a, on a fly ball to the wall in right center field. And you should be able to run backwards and get there safely. And Puig threw the – I think the, the ball was in the air like 300-and-something feet and <laughs> ridiculous. Alexi Amarista, I want to say. Is that I who just, he got? Just had the sounds, image in my head, and I said, I think that might be right. There's some, it's at wrong. least the right era. There, there, yeah. Listen, there's something wrong with Lions. I mean, <laughs> he's fucking these things out of He's obviously a boy genius. <laughs> or he's got my man Marino sitting next to him, handing him notes. I'm gonna say, is that getting a seal of approval? Yeah. I got the ponytail like him now too. So I mean, I'm just trying to do, yeah. do my best, best impersonation. Now I know you're a Mets guy growing up, but I mean, you might know the names Moose Gowron and Hank Bauer. They're yeah. all-time, you know, great Yankees players, 50s and 60s teammates with Maris, Mantle, all those guys. In their old age, you know, they always would show up to different card shows, stuff like that talk about the, the the good old days and stuff. And they were two of those unsung players. And when when we talk about Garrett Atkins and Brad Hopp, that's who I think of. I think about those great Yankees players that were part of those dynasties that were so vitally important. They're not in the Hall of Fame, and they don't get talked about often enough. And, and Atkins and Hopp are those two guys. And they spent a good majority of the career – with the Rockies, and you go and look at, at the all-time lists, like they're they're always in the top 10, top 20, um, all, all across the board because of, of what they were able to do for so long. Atkins averaged 100 RBIs over the course of uh, 2005 to, to 2008. Like, you know, like you do. Yeah. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, there's, there's always the complimentary guys, um, but they're more than just complimentary guys. Uh, off the top of my head, I was thinking about the the big red machine, and you know you, you yeah. always focus on Bench and Morgan and Perez and and Rose, but there was Cesar Geronimo. I mean, Dan Dreesen was involved at one point. Even Ken Griffey, uh, you know, senior, mm-hmm. really good player, and probably got even more acknowledgement for his very 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 fine career because of the son <laughs> that uh, that he had. But there, there's always that that David Davy Concepcion, George uh, Foster, yeah, yeah, George, George Foster had 50 home runs in a year. When 50 home runs was was amazing. So there, there's always that that other group that kind of fall into the hop and the and the Atkins category for the Rockies. I'd agree. Yeah, those those guys. You know what those guys are? They're great insurance policies for your team, and you need to have great insurance. You're probably paying way too much for your home or car insurance. I know I was. I was paying four hundred eighty dollars a year more on just car insurance than I needed to be. It took me less than ten minutes to fix it. You can do the same thing. It doesn't cost you anything. Just go to gabby.com/dnvr. That's g-a-b-i.com/dnvr. I swear, it'll take you less than 10 minutes. You just plug in a little couple of basic bits of information. They'll throw a ton of quotes at you. You'll see exactly how much you're going to save per year. You can pick whichever company uh, you feel best about. You don't even just have to go with the most savings. Maybe there's a company you prefer for whatever reason. You you have your options. There's no obligation. They're not going to send you a bunch of texts and emails, any of that garbage. You just get to save money. There's really no downside in doing this. If you have insurance, you're probably paying too much for it. Just check it out. Less than 10 minutes at Gabby.com. That's G-A-B-I.com slash D-N-V-R to get that free check. It'll be worth your time, I promise. Yeah, and Thursday's the time for opening day. Make sure you're tuned into AT&T Sportsnet. Um, and Thursday also, too, you drop in that uh, 
Charlie Blackman edition. He's back to leading off now. Is that it? He's leading off the the new season on the Drew, Gre- yeah. Drew Goodman podcast. He's, I guess so. Yeah, he's leading off the uh, the new season. It'll be the only time you see him lead off, probably <laughs> in twenty twenty one. He's a middle of the order guy now. He kind of likes do that anymore. You know what? It's a good tease, Patrick, because we do talk about that. Where you know we saw him more in the middle of the order in the truncated season of 2020, but that's where he's going to be now. And, and it's most days it'll be a combination of story Blackman, CJ Crone uh, in that three, four, five role. And I, and I, I got to, as you know, uh, got to jump here in a sec to get to a production meeting, but um, here it's always fun making predictions. We can do this next week. The season will only be a few games old. It's not like somebody goes, "Oh, you cheated." I mean, <laughs> right? But I CJ Crone is going to hit twenty eight plus home runs for the Rockies this year. I know that's kind oh, of a God. strange number. It'd be easier to go. Why don't you say thirty, Goodman? I, you know what? I, he's he's going to hit a bunch of home runs. I like that. Yeah. And it's good that you locked that in now because, you know, I imagine there's those people in 94 who saw Tuffy Rhodes hit three home runs and said, you know what? I got a dark horse for NL home run leader. His yeah. name is Carl Rhodes. Yeah. Um, I didn't say CJ necessarily is going to hit three on opening day against Clayton Kershaw, but that was. He does. That in case he does. Nice. You were ahead saying, yeah, still covered it. We, covered. we covered it. So 15 years from now, we can go, hey, do you remember when C.J. Crone hit three bombs against Clayton Kershaw back to open the 2021 season? Oh, man. Fantastic stuff. Well, I guess we should let you get to your day job, your night job. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, um, I got to make sure I'm on time for that for that meeting, which will be fun. And actually, one of the things we're doing at the conclusion of our meeting, I've been told we're having Rockies. Well, it's not just Rockies trivia. It's more our travel crew trivia, um, some Famous and infamous things that I guess have occurred over many, many years of covering the Rockies with, um, you know, some people that you guys know, but a lot of people that folks at home may not know. So that's going to that's going to be a fun little exercise after we talk about uh, how we're getting on the air Thursday. And we have a We have an hour pregame show that begins at one o'clock uh, on AT&T. So uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be fun for all of us, fellas. Yeah, I'm. Very, very much looking forward to it. Thank you, Goody. Yeah, you bet. Guys, have a great one. And uh, I will talk uh, – we'll, we'll get together next week and talk about that that Dodger series. And, and uh, we got real games to talk about, man. It'll be fun. Sure. We'll see you at the ballpark. Baseball. See you, I'll see you guys Thursday, man. Be good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Take care. You got it. You got it. Oh, yeah, that's man. fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm getting pumped up. I'm getting pumped up. We, oh, we were talking – we were talking on air before about you know Goody's uh, first uh, opening day, and on back-to-back opening days between 2002 and 2003, Todd Helton and Larry Walker combined for 16 hits. What was that all? God, those that guys all. Were good. It was almost half of their hits. Isn't those it? Those guys aren't be on the same team. Like that's like unfair. It's almost like the NBA now, how you get these super teams. It's like <laughs> yeah. someone should break them up. They're like, wait, they allowed Larry Walker still in his prime to be with you know, early of his career, but still in his prime, Todd Helton. Yeah, that was a thing. It's, uh, like I said, I, I hate to keep going back to it, but it's where my mind was in the article today with the eras and stuff. One of the things that really blew my mind and, and makes me double down again on my theory that the Rockies have to be a pitching and defense first team is that from 1999 to 2004, really that one stretch where they just were bad and never threatened to be good at all they had Todd Helton and Larry Walker for the vast majority of that time they had two of the best offensive players in the league and in their history and they were raking but they just could not pitch they were so bad at pitching it just did not matter also the rest of the offense wasn't good but still no but it it almost makes you think in in a weird parallel universe if they were on time or at the forefront instead of being on the back end of the analytical movement they could have just shifted everybody and you did the whole right side. You got gold glovers there. Right. And you go, <laughs> we're, we're going to shift left hand. We're going to shift right-handed batters and just throw them outside just slap it to Helton and right. Walker. Do you know how many nine, three putouts there could have possibly have been during that era? Right. Like, come on. That would have been a, an actual <laughs> thing. It oh, could have been. 
that is a uh, yeah so it's just it was just kind of eye-popping to go back and look at that and be like nope yep the times when they were good when it was like 95 to 97 it was the pitching was solid if you put that pitching on those on that like 2000 team they probably make the postseason you're like oh my god it's always this whack-a-mole problem with these guys uh though i will say as we were talking about walker and helton together beefy beefy that that is some beef in your lineup the rockies don't quite have that kind of beef but i do I've got that kind of beef because I get my beef from Hassle Cattle Company. Why you beef? Some of the absolute, no, no, no. Take all those qualifiers off of that. The absolute best beef you're going to taste in your life, especially for the price. Not going to break the bank at all. No hormones, no antibiotics, none of that garbage in your body, in the animal. They're treating them well. They're treating you well. Treating your wallet well. Use promo code DNVR10 to get 10% off. You also get free shipping if you order over 200 bucks. Highly recommend the ground beef and ground chuck situations. The bacon, it's my best favorite, most bestest bacon in the whole world. It's so delicious. It, it like I, I, I'm almost to the point where I have dreams about Hassel Cattle Company's Wagyu beef bacon. It's so good. Whatever it is, again, I'm still at 100% positive reviews. Try it. Tell me it's not delicious. You'll be the you'll be the very first person who's done that. So. Check them out at Hassle Cattle Company. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Delish. Delish. I don't think I think opening day bacon is a thing, but it certainly should be. I mean, think of hot dogs. I mean, you get your hot dogs. You get hot dogs from Hassle Cattle Company as well. Yeah. Sausages. They got like a jalapeno cheese sausage thing going on. They got all kinds of stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Preston Wilson. In the last couple of years of the the Helton Walker, but yeah, when that's your third, but you're like, mm. although he's very Number active three. on Twitter, we gotta have Preston Wilson on the podcast. I gotta I gotta pull the Preston Wilson. Wilson on Preston Wilson. I was follow him on I, Twitter. I got excited in thinking about the idea that Todd Helton's first opening day start took place in another country, but that was year two. Uh, so ninety nine, for anyone that might recall, going all the way that far back, and I'm glad we're doing this today. Rather than the DFA show with Michaela, I, was I wasn't even when, born yet. When Mac and Kale are here. Oh, God. So anyway. <laughs> now that we're getting into the 90s, we're glad they're Yeah, right? Here. We're asking for it. But they started the season in Mexico. And what's really interesting about that is that was the first time it had ever happened. Outside of the U.S. and Canada, MLB was just right here in, in, in North America. Right or yeah. right here in the states, essentially. So that's kind of neat that the Rockies were there for the first game before you know they started playing games over in Japan, going down to Puerto Rico, Cuba, um, you know London in the the, the last couple of years, uh, two years ago they're going back. They should be going back there again this year. They've got the game in in Dyersville at the Field of Dreams coming up, uh, and well, that's in America. But still, to think that the Rockies. We're at the forefront of something like that. It was just a one-off game. Specialty location, yeah. Yeah. It's super Played the cool, Padres. Right? Part of Rockies history, or, or baseball history. MLB. And they won it, too. And they won Hey, it. how about that? Yeah, uh, I, I love throwing that random-ass trivia question at you and AJ a couple of weeks ago, by the way, too. Just where, where did they play their first game in 1999? It's like, they'll either have remembered this story or have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. Um. Before we get too deep into the 90s, I just like honorable mention to the 2001 opening day game uh, with Mike Hampton going eight and a third. And, you know, we again, we look back at the Mike Hampton era and go, what a disaster that was. I do it all the time. You go, Hampton and Nagel didn't work out. So blah, 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 blah. And and true and fair. And and it became what it became. But we forget that like he was an all star with the Rockies. And, uh, you know, he. I had a DC, he had a really great debut. So there's a moment like, hey, he's an all-star that first season. Yeah, he just, he was good for a, 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 a minute. <laughs> he could rake too. But yeah. Did they tap out too early? He even was good when he went back to Atlanta. It's one of those yeah. lifetime mysteries. I look, what's Mike Hampton doing these days? It'd be great to sit down with him and be like, he's not getting paid a million dollars every year. That stopped in 2018. <laughs> so not that long ago, he he got his his final payment. Uh, in, in 2000, uh, they did get shut out. Um, but again, a cool kind of story, I think, in a way. It was in Atlanta, so they got shut out by Greg Maddox um, and Andre oh, Scalaraga. Andres Galarraga. Yeah, right. It's okay if it's Maddox. <laughs> yeah. um, Big Cat oh, in Atlanta. Damn. He was the difference. Hit a home run. 
Atlanta yeah. one, two zip. So you go, all yeah. right, that's it's a cool story, so to speak. Yeah. That was one of those things, again, going back and looking at it. It's like the Rockies didn't make the wrong decision to move on from Andres Galarraga to Todd Helton at the same time. Right. It was like, I think, one move too many in what ended up just being the death knell in the end of the Blake Street Bombers, and they didn't have a next move to make. Um, they thought right. they could just like insert Helton and he'd be the new young bomber and he'd go along and it's like, and then by the next year, Burks and Bichette were kind of falling apart and they were gone. And so it's just like, yeah, getting rid of Galarraga right at that minute. It's a tough pill to swallow, but still probably the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. He was, you know, he was older and there was no telling what he was. So plenty he was of good baseball. Left in he, got, yeah. he had a good contract from Atlanta too, at that point. So you kind yeah. of understand again, when you have that replacement there, so yeah. um, kind of is what it is. Uh, 97, you know, they started the season in Cincinnati, which is, is nice because for, for anyone that knows the history of the game, Hey, that's where the, the first professional baseball team started Cincinnati red stockings. And so that had frequently been where the first game of the season was played. It was always in Cincinnati. Sometimes it was just a one-off Cincinnati was the only game going on. Other times, you know, it'd be a one five game. Um, and they, they got the season started. Maybe there'd be a couple night games, but that was like unofficially where uh, it would begin. And, and the Rockies were, you know, a part of one of those, which again, I, I find to be, be cool. And that was the final Caesar season of the original Blake street bombers in 97, right. where they were all together as, as you were saying before, um, you know, they kind of all disbanded. Walker's MVP year, all that stuff. Yeah. The last of three straight where they were above 500. It was like, it's weird to go back and look at it, man, because they did, you know, expansion you don't expect to be good right away that's so hard so those first two years they're not but you almost don't care because hey we've got a baseball team hey jamaica we have a baseball team you, you just you just don't even care you're just excited 95 they win the national league wild card their third year in existence and you're like and then 96 over 500 97 over 500 with the nl mvp you're like man these rockies are going to be a force to be reckoned with like, no <laughs> No, not at all. Not that it's not going to be what happens now. Um, Unfortunately, not. But at the end of '97, you had to you had to think that general feelings were were pretty high about the franchise. And oops. Oh well. '95. Uh, for anyone that might not recall, and again, this is a a good shameless plug for Rocky's recap. You have to go back to the archive from last year. And uh, when we had the pandemic, we had no games. So we did a deep dive, man. We, we scoured the history books and the media guides. And, uh, and from some insider information, thanks to being a member of the Rocky Mountain chapter of, of Sabre, you know, we were reminded that the first game at Coors Field wasn't exactly uh, April 25th of 1995. I don't know if I have the date right, I'll be honest. Mm, yeah. But it wasn't at the end of April after the strike. It was actually March 31st. They still had the game, even though the there was a lockout, there was a player strike. They did have replacement players there against the Yankees. And it was kind of, a, I imagine, a very surreal event where you had guys wearing the Rockies uniforms, but you knew, like, that's not Superman. Like, that's right. – who's inside that Iron Man costume? Because I can just tell that's not Tony Stark in there. It just wasn't right. But that was actually the official, unofficial opening of Coors Field. Believe First game at Coors Field. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that Keanu Reeves? <laughs> no, that can't be right. Like, oh, somebody got hurt. Is the Bat Boy going in to hit? Uh, okay. This is <laughs> make it up as we go along. And, and, of course, the only opening day at mile high official opening day there's the home opener you know the rockies you know you have that second opening day right um but the first ever game one of the season at mile high april 4th 94 72,000 plus people witnessing a baseball game how about that at That's a football a, stadium wild. all overlook it it does that used to be a baseball it, stadium that right 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 it's it's Bizarre now looking back on footage of baseball games being played at Mile High Stadium, but it's still, yeah, when you say those numbers, when you, when you talk about the yeah. crowd, 72,000 people, like, all right, that's pretty cool. It's going to seem that way, I think, this year. It's um, going to feel like it, yeah. Well, you're it, taking it, the donut off your crowd. 
it, it well, I'm saying it's going to feel like uh, a big number potentially by the end of the season, or maybe at midpoint, whatever it is, um, when compared to what the other teams are doing. That was that was going to be one of the questions that we ran out of time for yesterday about you know where are the Rockies going to land in, in attendance, and we know there's uh, some you know plenty of disgruntled fans and talks of boycotts, this, that, and the other. Um, yet outside of the Rangers, the Rockies can have the most amount of fans in their ballpark. So that's a, actually a major benefit. The, the Red Sox, I think, can only allow about 8,000. So, I mean, the Rockies Oof. are going to maybe blow the, the doors off of a lot of other teams until, you know, things maybe change in each individual state and stuff. And so um, it, it could seem, you, you, good. you look at the attendance and you go, okay, the Rockies were still able to bring in a million fans and then there's going to be some teams that might be, you know, 300,000. I don't know. I don't know yeah, what's reasonable. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be wild to, to look at right. all those numbers at the end of the season. So, uh, but as Goody was saying, there's going to be, you know, more people at the ballpark out here in Denver, Colorado. You're going to be able to get back out there in the world, but it's going to be hot and sticky this summer. So make sure you're manscaped. Look, fellas. You may have let it go for a little while. You've been staying indoors. It was a long, cold, growing them out winter. I understand how it gets. I understand what happens. Look, no judgments here, but it's time to get manscaped. Get it clean. Get it smooth. Get it nice. Get it smelling good. Because it's time to get back out there into the world. And you got to take care of your downstairs if you want your downstairs taken care of. You can use promo code DNBR20 to get free shipping plus 20% off at manscaped.com. Whether you're getting that lawnmower 3.0, getting a spritzer, the deodorant, really comfortable pair of boxers. Again, it's promo code DNVR20 for free shipping and 20% off at manscaped.com. And don't go out uh, unscaped. Don't go out. Don't unscaped. go out unscaped. Oh, I like that. Don't go out unscaped. Uh, and don't go out without your mask uh, is, is right. another thing to mention. And, and we can, we can just touch on this briefly for anyone listening who plans on going out to the ballpark in the next week, right? Four game set. Starting on Thursday, opening day against the Dodgers. Monday's an off day, three games against the Diamondbacks. Uh, you definitely want to go to the Rockies website to find out about those health and safety protocols. But just some quick little takeaways. Uh, your your PSA from DNVR. That could be a thing. Um, although there's a vowel in it. There's a vowel in it. Yeah, so it needs man. to be public service statement. Um, but yeah, the PSA from DNVR. Obviously, you need to wear a mask, um, but if you have a bandana or a mask that has a valve on it, um, you will not be allowed to, to enter. They, they may have masks for you there, uh, but you might want to bring something other than just a plain old bandana or a mask with a valve on it. So that's a heads up. Again, go to the Rockies website for more specific information. Just kind of want to wet your whistle a little bit about that. Cashless transactions uh, is how it's going to be going down. So unfortunately, not going to be able to do anything with that. Obviously, if, if you're even worried about using your credit card, um, you know, the Apple Wallet, uh, Google, I think, has something comparable to if you use an Android so that maybe you can just tap your phone or scan something. Um, if, if you're going out there and, and you're getting your brick brews and your, your, your Hassle Cattle Company hot dogs and things of that nature, it's all ca uh, cashless. It's also your tickets are going to be digital as well. Uh, and make sure when you look at your ticket, you enter from the correct gate. Normally, there's a suggestion on there like, hey, enter through gate, wherever. That's just so you're closer to your seat, like, right? I'm going to get the ballpark and walk yeah. around. Exactly. Oh, I have to walk all the way around the stadium? I was going to do that anyway. So I yeah. don't care. It's one of my now, favorite things to do. But oh, 100%. Now, uh, 100%. Yeah, just walking now, around. Yeah, now, now um, you're going to want to enter at your, you know, the specific yeah. gate. Not even sure. They might even say, no, you can't enter here. Even though you're parked across the street and you're at home plate, it says you're supposed to enter in this other gate. Um, so just be aware of that. All of those safety protocols, know what you're um, getting into. You know, Plan ahead so that you don't have to worry about those little issues here and there and, and, and getting any kind of arguments, things of that nature. Know what you need to do ahead of time. And those are just some of those things, but go to rockies.com. Uh, for more information so that you're safe and you can enjoy yourself to the fullest of your abilities for the next yeah. week. Baseball's yeah, back. We're be, back. Yeah, yeah, we're back. You want it to be smooth. You want it to be fun. You want it to be awesome. If you're pre-gaming or post-gaming, you can come down to the DNVR bar. Yep. It's, a, it's not exactly in the neighborhood of the ballpark, so make sure you're Ubering or, or catching a ride with 
with uh, anyone who's you know nice and sober who hasn't had too many Breck brews. Uh, come on down to the DNVR bar there. Uh, I think we're going to be free gaming on opening day. I know I'm going to be there for a while afterwards. I'm planning on being at the bar for most of opening weekend. So, you know, obviously with everything going on, I, you know, I still haven't gotten fully vaccinated. I'm not going to assume everyone else out there is either. So I'm more than happy for you to say hello to me from six feet away and, and for us to have a conversation down at the bar, but I would like to to see people and, and say hello. So, uh, you know, if you're there, let me know and, and I'll come say hi. For and social distancing reasons, are they able to, so you said they can say hi from a distance. Can they buy you a beer from a distance? They can buy me a beer from any distance. They'd like. What a guy. That, that Andrew, actually, this is why you are one of the most right. class acts of all of not even just the Denver sports media, right. but the fact that you would allow that whole, in these conditions. That's right. Love that. Love that. Amazing. About you. Man right. of the I'm, I'm a charitable guy that way. So, <laughs> uh, and if you want to make sure that the beer you're buying me down at the DNVR bar is the big old 20 big, I don't remember how many ounces I was about to say, I was like, you don't know how many ounces there are. You started to say, and then you don't know. So maybe stop that. <laughs> but big beer, I get, I get, I order, I, I order big beer and you can get a much larger one at the DNVR bar there. It's on Colfax and York, by the way. I don't always mention that, but for those of you that are going to be in the area, a great place to hang out, take in uh, sports all the time, especially for members. You got to become a member. Uh, that way you do get that bigger beer. You get discounts on shirts and hats and masks. You get a free shirt if you order the annual discount or the annual membership right now. And you get a holistic stick from Holistic Wellness. Make sure you're following everybody on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNBR underscore Rockies, and our guy at Drew Goodman 42. We really do appreciate him joining us for these weekly episodes and sharing his memories and thoughts and analysis through the years. Somebody who's been so close to the living, breathing apparatus of what we talk about and think about and care about on some level, all in this community every single day, this Rockies thing that we do here. And, uh, we, we really can't thank him enough. We're not doing this in, in front of him. Since he had to take off early today, I get to gush a little bit because it'd be a little bit embarrassing to do it right to his face. But we really can't thank him enough for joining us for these episodes. We really do hope you go and download his podcast. We thank you for downloading and listening to ours and continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. We promise you that we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.